This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 23rd Sunday of the Church's Year, the 10th of September. During the last week, almost all of the clergy and seminarians of our diocese have been in France. We were staying in the tiny village of Ars, where St. John Vianney was parish priest for over 40 years in the 19th century. From a rather inauspicious beginning, he became a model of priestly life and is the patron saint of parish priests. His main virtue was that he was lacking in any outstanding talent and because of that God was able to fill him with himself and so become an effective instrument for the salvation of souls. He would tell his people the truth about God as it is and for this he suffered but he did so because he had a burning desire to get all of his flock to heaven. Well, apart from a great deal of prayer and laughter, the main reason we priests went to ours this week was to have the joy of being able to be together as brothers. Because priests come in many shapes and sizes, but we are all expected to live our priesthood in unity with the bishop and one another. We're called to love each other as brothers in Christ. And love, according to our Christian belief, is willing the good of each other, and then doing something about it. That's a, a one-line definition of the fulfilling of God's law, willing the good of the other as other, and then doing something about it. And in this way, we can in fact love someone that we don't particularly like, because we're willing the good of them in this Christian way, in this virtue of fraternal charity. The readings of this Sunday raise to our consciousness the sensitive question, of how we love in regard to one particular issue, what has classically been called fraternal correction. When, how, and to what extent do we challenge those who are morally wrong? And let's be honest, whether we be priest and people, our favorite indoor pastime is critiquing others. We're never slow about doing that. We're always ready to criticize others. And there's a very good reason for it. It makes us feel better about ourselves. Deep down, most of us are afraid. Deep down, we feel unworthy. We feel we're not getting enough attention, that we're being overlooked or being underappreciated. And one of the quickest ways to fix this problem is to drag someone else down. Because the lower they go, the higher we go, and we feel by comparison. And we do it all of the time. And so we gossip, backstab, insinuate, spread rumours, scapegoat, and we listen with eagerness to other people doing the same thing. And, fellow sinners, we get a kick out of this more than anything else. But it's wrong. And it's what the evil one wants us to do. It's not what Jesus wants us to do. When someone is doing something wrong that annoys me or is morally wrong or is in danger, we talk about them and drag them down. But we don't confront them because that's too emotionally threatening. We might get critiqued in return or lose a friend. Whatever gain we get from putting someone down emotionally is offset by those negatives. That's why we don't do it. But if we look at this critiquing of others in the light of love, as outlined in the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus, 
we would see first that fraternal correction is necessary. If someone's in a bad way, doing something dangerous, or on a negative or self-destructive path, the loving action would be to correct them, because that is willing the good of the other. To remain silent or talk about them in a non-constructive way is not a move of love. Think of a parent with a child on a very self-destructive path and the parent never speaks, never acts, never corrects. That would be a deeply irresponsible parent. So the scriptures of this Sunday remind us that we have to overcome our reticence about fraternal correction, even though it remains a permanently difficult thing. We hear from the prophet Ezekiel in a very strong language that if you see someone set on a path of destruction and you say nothing, then they will go to their death, but you will be held responsible. Or again, if a brother or sister is doing something morally reprehensible and you warn them, they may die because of their sins, but you will be saved because you warned them. In our cultural, individualistic framework, we can retreat all too easily into our privacy, saying, that's none of my business. But it doesn't work that way in the body of Christ, in the body of the church. We are interdependent cells and molecules and organs in this one body. So it is ultimately self-destructive if we don't correct others out of love. And similarly destructive if all we do is talk about their faults. How precisely should we do this? Once more we have to apply the gospel principle of love, winning the good of the other. Talking about someone behind their back is not an act of love. It's not willing their good, it's willing your own good, which is why this advice of Jesus in St Matthew's Gospel is so important. If you know someone who's on an errant path, don't talk about them to others. Don't harbour silent resentment. Talk to them. That's the first move. And it's very simple to say, but my goodness, it's so hard to do. And I know it from my own experience and from years of counselling people, years of giving advice to people who ask what they should do about someone who's difficult, who's been offensive. The first instinct should always be talk to them, which nobody wants to do because we try to avoid that hard press of love. Jesus says if that person doesn't listen to us, then go to one other person. And if that doesn't work, bring it to the church, not to the gossiping community, but to the people who are genuinely committed to helping that person. Powerful advice to all of us, because the moral question we all face all of the time is, what do I do when someone is on a wrong path or when someone hurts me? Do I retreat into myself or just gossip about it? We are morally obliged, in love, to do the fraternal correction. And then how do I do it? In this loving manner rep recommended by Jesus Christ. And because Mary is the model of all Christian charity, we imitate her life, we imitate her love, and we seek like her always the good of the other. Let us pray. 
a God by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption. Look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.